Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Amen. Can we give the Lord the greatest praise here today? You know, I was a little nervous coming up here today. I was part of VBS, and you guys see the stage, and these are, they're supposed to be craters, but they're like little swimming pools, and I said, man, I'm going to trip on one of these, and I'm going to get baptized on the stage today. (laughs) So hopefully that doesn't happen. I like to move around a lot when I preach. Uh, Good thing there's nobody sitting in the front row because that's the splash zone where I spit constantly. So good thing for that today. God is good. All the time. And all the time. It's so great to be here with you guys again today. Um, As we continue to dive deep into the book of Romans, and what an amazing time we had in our last study together here. Uh, We looked at Romans chapter 7, and we were studying verses 7 through 24. And if you haven't read it or seen the preaching, I highly encourage you to go back and to do so. Um, I preached Romans chapter 7 last month. It's, you could check on our YouTube or through our podcast. My name will be listed on the title of the preaching. But it was so awesome. We had such a great time in Romans chapter 7. We really got to see struggles that Paul was dealing with and the internal mess that Paul had. And he laid out such great information. And it was great things that really brought a lot of hope to my life. Um, it made me see that I'm not the only one who struggles with things. If you struggle with things in here today, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, but I'm pretty sure that everyone in here at one point or another has struggled with something. And even Paul, a great apostle of Jesus, had an internal war. And maybe like many of us here today, we, we just struggle with things and, and we don't know why. And, and we don't know why we keep going back to the same mess that God has delivered us from. And just like Paul, we keep doing things that we hate. I don't know if you guys identify with that here today. But if you weren't here last time, I'm going to give you a little bit of a recap on what we studied. So if we remember, we went over the Ten Commandments. And I'm not putting anybody in the spot here. Does anybody remember what commandment number one is? You, say, say it again. That's good. Don't worry. This is not a test. I'm not going to pull you aside after church and say you need extra time in Bible study or anything like that. But yes, thank you, Charlene. So we went over all of the Ten Commandments, and Paul referenced the commandments as the law. So when you hear in Scripture, in the book of Romans, Paul talk about the law, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. And he spoke a lot about them. And how the commandments actually don't set you free, but they condemn you. And that's something weird to hear sometimes. Because maybe growing up, we're so accustomed to hearing, you better follow the Ten Commandments because if not, they're writing down your name in heaven. And every time you break one, you better get ready. That's something that I remember hearing as I was growing up. But as we go into Scripture and we see what Paul is actually teaching about the commandments, the commandments actually condemn people instead of set people free. So we're going to get into that. Uh, So we see here, he opened up verse 7. We're doing a recap of chapter 7. He opened up verse 7 with something so awesome. And he said this, Romans Romans 7, verse 7 says, 
what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. So he spoke on how the law brought our sin to light. And if you remember, he said that the law, the commandments, are actually good. It's the sin of man is where the problem comes in. So it's not that the commandments that God gave Moses are bad. They're perfect. The problem lies with us. And then later in chapter 7, Paul really spoke on the internal struggle of the human heart. And look what he says in verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And that's a powerful verse because it really destroys our egos here. And we know what's right, yet we still can't do it. And then he goes on to verse 19 and he says this. Sorry, I lost my place here. So verse 19, Paul says this, For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. And this verse is really where it became very relatable to me, and maybe to you guys as well. Paul said he keeps doing what he doesn't want to do. How many of us do that? We keep going back to things that we just don't want to do. That's really like the story of my life if I ever had one. I know what's right, but I keep doing what's wrong. And I'm sure that many of us may struggle with this. And we keep doing the very things that we know are wrong. And we get to a place where we condemn ourselves and, and maybe we walk in defeat and anxieties could rise up and our minds just take us to dark places. And we keep doing the wrong that we don't want to do. And Paul recognized it. And that's why he writes this in chapter 7. And the last verse that he ended with was verse 25. And he says this, Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? And he summed it up for us. We're messed up. We're slaves to sin. Man, but thank God we have a Savior. We have a Savior found in Jesus Amen. So we have such great passages to go over today. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, or if not, if you have your device, I know everybody nowadays has a device where we could open up the Bible to, uh, you could turn with me to Romans ch chapter 8. And let's read through the text first so we could have the word to begin to stir in our hearts and in our minds. And you could give me an amen when you get there. All right, amen. So we're not going to get through the whole book of Romans, I'm sorry, through the whole chapter of chapter 8 today. It's a, it's a very long chapter. Today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 17. And I'm reading from the ESV translation, just in case you care to know for that. So this preaching on Romans chapter 8 is going to be divided into three separate preachings. Today we're looking at just verses 1 through 17. And Paul starts it with this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers... We are debtors, but not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Amen. Let's pray really quick. Lord God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this text, Lord God. Lord, we just, we need your help here today. Lord, that I may interpret this text correctly, Father God, Lord, that this is nothing that comes from, from the carnality of man, but everything that comes from the throne room of heaven. So Holy Spirit, we pray for your guidance here today, that this text just ministers to our hearts. So we thank you, we surrender this to you today, and together we say, Amen. So many good things here for us to dissect. In Romans chapter 8, and if you remember... Maybe some of the verses we went over from chapter 7, it was a pretty difficult text in chapter 7, what Paul was saying there. Paul really spoke a lot on misery and the condition of the hearts of people. And he called himself, if you remember, he called himself wretched. Imagine that, an apostle calling himself wretched. He said he keeps doing the things that he doesn't want to do. He knows what's right. But he can't carry it out. And he talks about the spiritual battle of sin waging war in us. And that we, on our own strength, we can't win this battle. And sin takes every opportunity to produce evil in us. And man, chapter 7 was hard. It was a difficult chapter. And when I went through it, I felt a bit defeated. And I don't know if you guys felt that when I preached it last time. You know, if Paul, an apostle, was struggling with these things then what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us? And I came to the realization of this, that it means that I have hope, that we have hope. Why? Because we're not the only ones who struggle. So amen to God and thank Jesus for that. And Paul outlines the hope here in chapter 8, verse 1. It's the verse that we actually ended with last time we were together. So chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation 
for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's so much power in this one verse alone. A whole preaching can really be done on this one statement. And I want to tell you guys this. Maybe for some of you who know history, you're going to know what I'm talking about here. January 1st, 1863, President Lincoln issued a life-changing proclamation, which many of you may know as the Emancipation Proclamation. And this proclamation declared this, that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious state are and henceforward shall be free. An amazing day in the history of this country where freedom came to many who were slaves. You guys remember that? In our history classes, we were taught about the Emancipation Proclamation, a turning point in the history of this country. Well, 2,000 years ago, God signed our Emancipation Proclamation by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross that all those who were slaves to sin shall be set free. And this emancipation is beautiful because it applies to anyone who wants it. All who were slaves to sin can be freed from the penalty of sin. And this freedom doesn't apply only to a certain race. It doesn't apply just to a certain religion. It doesn't apply to a certain group of people. But it's available to all who repent and believe the gospel. Are you guys getting a history lesson here today? It applies to everyone. And that's what the gospel is. That's what the gospel is about. It's an emancipation from slave to freedom. That's an amazing message. The most important message that you will ever hear in your life is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm sure you've heard it many times when I'm up here because I usually end a sermon by preaching the gospel. And why do I do that? Why do I say that it's the most amazing message that you will ever hear? Because it's the only message in the world that has the power to transform the heart of man. Man, and I pray that everybody here today has heard that message. I heard a preacher say this once about Romans chapter 8, that this chapter is so amazing because of the way that it begins and the way that it ends. And it starts with this, and we saw it in verse 1, it starts with, there is no condemnation. And it ends with, there is no separation. So verse 1, no condemnation, and the, Paul starts chapter 8 with it, and he's letting us know that we're not condemned. We're not condemned. That means that we're not going to stand before God the Father and be condemned in front of Him. The condemnation is gone. And then when we go to verse 38, which we're not going to get there today, but when we go to verse 38, it says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, and here it comes, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No condemnation, no separation. So we're not condemned. Not only are we not condemned, but there is nothing that could separate us ever from the love of God. So if you're taking notes today, write this down. No condemnation, no separation. So when Paul says here in verse 1 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's saying that those who have accepted Christ are no longer condemned. We're not condemned from what? From the penalty of sin. Our slate, our record has been wiped clean because our sin has been paid for. And you got to think of it this way. If, you're going to go to, if you go to court today with a stack of speeding tickets and you're there to pay them because you're guilty, but the judge says, well, sir, you're guilty of speeding, but someone has actually paid your fine. You're free to go. That's exactly what happened on the cross. We're guilty of sin, but Jesus paid our fine. And because of that, we're no longer condemned. The penalty has been taken away because the fine was paid. But notice what it doesn't say, okay? We read the first verse. It do, we know what it says, that we're not condemned, but notice what it does not say. It doesn't say that there is no failure for those in Christ Jesus. If, did anybody drive on the Palmetto over here today? You probably had a failure on the Palmetto. I'm pretty sure you did. You had a failure with somebody on the road. And I know this because every time I get on the Palmetto, I have a failure. So maybe you had a failure today on the Palmetto. And that's okay. It doesn't say that there's no mistakes for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're going to have plenty of mistakes in our walk. Nor does it say there is no consequence. You see, because you could sin and there be a temporary consequence for our actions. And we know that. Scripture teaches. You remember there's a scripture in Hebrews that says, God will chastise those in whom He loves. Right? So there may be a consequence for our sin. It says we're not condemned. And condemnation is something of the past for us as believers. Yeah, we're going to stand before God one day, but not to be judged. But to receive reward for what we did in the body. And there is great hope in that. There's great hope in that. Okay, we go to verse number 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And maybe you haven't caught this yet. But in chapter 7, Paul was saying everything in these pronouns, for a lack of a better word, I and me. That's what he's saying. Everything he, re, he said there, everything he wrote down was I, was me, referring to himself and things that he had done. But now in chapter 8, the tune has really changed. Everything that Paul writes now is what God has done, what Christ has accomplished, and what Jesus has overcome so that we could live. And he says it here in verse 2, for the law of the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit, but I actually like what the New Living Translation says. It replaces the word law with the word power. So let's replace it for a second. So we use the word power, verse 2 would read like this. For the power of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the power of sin and death. We've been freed, not by our own accord, but by a power outside of ourselves. And it's by the Spirit in which power comes. You're going to see Paul refer a lot to the Spirit here in chapter 8. He refers to the Holy Spirit a lot because there is a power behind the Spirit of God. It's the same Spirit that dwells within you. And in verse 3, he says, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. And this part really takes us back to what Paul was saying in chapter 7, that it's not the law that is bad, 
The law is perfect, and we said this earlier, the law is good, but when the flesh confronts the law, the flesh is weakened because it can't carry out what the law says to do. And he continues here, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. All right, so we got to break this down a little bit because this could get a little bit confusing here. So now Jesus was sent. Not that Jesus was sinful, but he came in the likeness of sin. And by becoming the likeness of sin, he was able to condemn sin. God was able to put the penalty of sin on him because he was sinless. He had no sin in which to pay for. He had no debt to pay. It's like you going to a bank today. And you want to pay off somebody else's debt. Let's say you're an amazing friend and you want to pay off your friend's credit card debt and they have the same bank as you. But the bank says, wait a minute. You can't pay your friend's debt because you have your own debt. You owe money on your, on your behalf. You can't pay that debt. You can't pay somebody else's if you still owe. But you see, Jesus didn't owe. He didn't have sin. And that's why he was able to absorb it and pay it on the cross for us. So he became, or he came in the likeness of sin. He looked like us, but he wasn't us. You follow me? I'm not losing anybody here today, right? Okay. So he came in the likeness of sin. I don't know if you know the scripture in 2 Corinthians, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He never knew sin, but for our benefit he became sin, so that we may become righteous in the eyes of the Father. Sinless, no debt to pay. That's why he was able to carry our debt and pay our sin on the cross. So now we go to verse 4, and it's going to explain why Jesus became sin. Verse 4, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. What a great passage. And this passage is great because it does one thing. It destroys legalism. It destroys it. You see legalists, they believe that they can fulfill the requirements of the law. That they are the ones that are righteous. That by their actions, they are good. That's how people who are legalists operate. They place not salvation on Christ, but they place their good works in hopes that one day they will make it to heaven. I don't know if there's somebody in here that operates in that way, but can I encourage you today and tell you that there's freedom that's found in Jesus. There is a freedom that you are trying to take upon yourself that Christ has already died for. And I'm not, I have to clarify this. I'm not preaching against morality, okay? I'm not saying not to do good things. I'm not saying that. But when you have the Spirit of God living in you, that trying to do so much good you don't have to try because the Spirit of God changes your heart so radically that these good fruits will now come from the abundance of your heart. So it's not a checkbox that you have to check. You don't have to have a list anymore 
and say, today I have to do this. I better pray for somebody today. How much tithes am I giving to the church? I'm going to be sure. I'm going to do this. I have to go and feed. The, I have, those things are good. I'm not preaching against that. But those good things that you're doing is not what gets you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And by repentance and faith and trust is Him is how you get there. That's how you get to heaven. Okay? Amen. I always have to clarify that. Because somebody, I know somebody will come, but wait, what do you mean? You're saying we don't, get do, we don't have to do good things? I'm not saying you don't have to do good things. Yes, we're called to do good works. That's the life of a believer, to live and bear fruit. But thanks be to God, through Christ Jesus, that he bore that cross for us. And now heaven is, boom, wide open for sinners like me and you. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Okay, so Paul is saying that Jesus is the one who fulfilled it. And because he has fulfilled it, now it's fulfilled in us. Fulfilled in the one who walks not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this is a work of the Spirit working in us, not of ourselves, not of our own power. And he goes on, and look what he says about our flesh in verse number 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Okay, so if we live for the things of this world, then our minds are set on the things of this world. And I do this sometimes with people, and don't worry, I'm not gonna, I don't do this with anybody here. All you got to do is have a conversation with somebody for five minutes. And what are they speaking about most? Is it their job, their car, their house, their boat, their money? We could go on and on about whatever they're speaking about. But whatever you speak about most is what you have made your God. Okay? Whatever you speak about most, that's what your God is. And we remember that scripture that says that from the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So whatever you have in your heart and in your mind is what's going to come out of your mouth. So what is your mind set on. Look at the second part of the verse. If you live according to the Spirit, then your mind is set on things of the Spirit. So what is your mind set today? Where is your mind? Where is your heart today? Because every day we're going to have a choice. Do I choose to live for my flesh today or will I surrender my mind to God today? That's such a great question to ask yourself as soon as you wake up. Which road am I going to go down today? Things of the Spirit or things of the flesh? Things of the Spirit or things of the flesh? Now we go to verse 6 and look what Paul says about a mind that lives for things of the flesh. Look at verse number 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's a, that's a harsh word. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile. It's hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Wow. Yeah, that's how I was. So, wow. <laughs> I believe he's saying this because when we focus on the things of the flesh, what does it cultivate? It brings sin. And we know the scripture, sin, when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. So therefore, if your mind is constantly set on things of the flesh, it's going to trip you up. 
In Galatians 5, 19, look what Paul writes to his letter to the Galatians. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I have warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If our minds are set on things like these, how can we ever please the Lord? He says it in verse 7. Minds that are set on these things are hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. All these things are contrary to God. They are in opposition to the Lord. And it's never going to please Him. You know, I think about last week, Pastor Regal's message. He had a six-point message, and point number five is really a point that shook me. Does anybody remember what point number five was? Yeah? Okay, listen, Pastor Regal's here, okay? Maybe that was a wrong question to ask. Deal with it before it deals with you. Yes, that's point number five. Go ahead, you could give... Lou Rock, that, that was great. And only your wife clapped. So let's try it again. Let's give, let's give, let's give Lou Rock... Good, good memory there, brother. Good. Deal with it before it deals with you. I encourage you guys to go back to last week's message and, and really listen to it. Deal with it. And I look at Galatians 5 and I ask myself this. Am I having an issue with things of the flesh? And if I am, am I dealing with it? Because if I don't deal with it, it's going to deal with me. And that's why things of the flesh need to be confronted before it begins to take root in our hearts. Any one of these things could take root. Look at Galatians 5, anything, idolatry, sorcery, jealousy, fits of anger, dissensions, division, any of this, if it's not dealt with, will take root in your heart. And you guys know what happens when things start to take root, right? We think about trees, these amazing trees, and they start building deep roots. And what happens when the tree just builds deep roots? It's very hard to rip out. It's very, very hard to rip out. I have seen trees... They've taken such deep roots that when a Category 5 hurricane comes, those trees are still standing. Very difficult to deal with a tree that has taken deep roots. Very difficult to deal with a heart that has become hardened, that has become so bitter because you haven't dealt with it. It begins to deal with you. So we need to deal with these things. I could almost guarantee this, that there are people in here today who may be struggling with some of these things of the flesh. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're losing salvation. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you've been casted out. But it does mean that you have to deal with it. Because if you don't deal with it, it's going to deal with you. And that's a point where we don't want to get to. And Paul is warning us. He said it in Galatians. I warn you. I'm warning you. If your minds are set on the flesh, then we are displeasing the Lord. And all these things that Paul speaks about, what he's, what he's telling us, it's the old us. That's not us now. That's the things that we did B.C., before Christ. I say that sometimes to people. When I get really upset and I tell my wife, I go, man, if that person, if this would have been me, BC, I would have handled this a way different way. And let me tell you, man, sometimes the BC in me wants to rise up. 
and I want to carry out the BC. I was a really bad kid growing up, but I don't want to say too much. I wasn't a great kid growing up. Okay, so it's what we did BC, the new us. We're not slaves to things of the flesh. We don't walk that way anymore. We're new creations. We have a new heart. We operate differently. And look what he says in verse 9. You, he's talking to you, the believer. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And this is us. We don't operate in the flesh, but in the spirit. And he goes on to say, if we don't have the spirit, then we don't belong to him. And maybe a good question to ask yourself is this. How do you know that the Spirit of God lives within you? Does anybody want to answer that? Everybody should be raising their hand. Go ahead. Amazing. By the fruits of the Spirit. Anyone else? Say again? How you live your life in your actions, right? That, that shows a transformation in your heart. Anybody else? Fruits of the Spirit, actions. Go ahead. Discernment. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Right, because of a believer... A regular person doesn't have discernment. How about this? A regular person may not have conviction. Right? I think conviction is a very big one. Because if I'm living of the flesh, just lawless, and there's no spirit to convict me in, then I don't have the spirit of Christ. So discernment, fruits, conviction, that's great. That's excellent. I have one of those written in my notes. We have to go back to John chapter 3. When Jesus told Nicodemus, you guys remember the story, he told Nicodemus that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And when you are born again, what happens? A new heart is given to you. Your desires change and you begin to bear fruit. Remember what Jesus had told his disciples? They will know you by your fruit. And you bearing fruit shows that a transformation has occurred in you. That's just one of the ways. It becomes a problem if people only know that you're a Christian by your Facebook status. People only know that you're a Christian because you, I don't know, you put a devotional on your Instagram every now and then. And they only know you as a Facebook Christian. I'm not saying that's bad. But if they only know you, oh, well, this guy, I guess he believes in God because he puts one post every six months or whatever. That's kind of a problem. That's kind of weird. It's kind of an issue. And action has to come into play here. We're people of action, people of fruit, people of doing, people of speaking, people of praying. You know, the Spirit of God lives in you because your heart has been transformed so radically that you hunger and thirst for what? For the things of God. You hunger and thirst for them. And listen, this doesn't mean that we won't ever walk in the flesh again. I wish we would never walk in the flesh. But we fall and we trip up. But it doesn't cancel the fact that you belong to Him. Okay? Because when we trip up and when we mess up, we have an advocate to plead our case. That's what the Scripture teaches. That Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And He advocates for us. Amen. So we go to verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead 
dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. And he's talking about our physical body. Our physical body is deteriorating because of sin. But because of the spirit that we have in us, it's actually alive. And look how powerful the spirit is. That the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that transformed body. The new body. The body that's not sick. The body that doesn't need glasses. A body that doesn't have allergies in the morning. You guys have allergies in the morning? Amen. I think of my wife's not here. I think about my wife, it's like every morning, it's like, what is going on with you? It's 29 sneezes in a row. Like, what are you, what's going on? I can't stop. I do, and I do, but I dust every day. What is every morning, it's allergies. It's okay, I have allergies too. So it's, that's the body that he's talking about. And then we look at verse 12, and we see that the spirit comes with a cost. And look what he says. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Right. We, we, we owe a debt, but not to the flesh. To live according to the flesh. And this is so awesome. We have a debt, but not to the flesh. Because the flesh doesn't bring you life. It only brings you death. There's nothing good in it. So we don't owe anything to the flesh that's meant to destroy. The debt to the flesh has been paid for already by the blood of Jesus. The flesh, what does it do? We went over this. It produces sin, and sin brings forth death. And in that death, there's a penalty to be paid. But thank God it was paid for on Calvary. Thank God for that. And then we go to verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And he's just saying it again. What the flesh brings, it brings forth death. And, and he says this so much, he's really driving home a point here. When you see that in Scripture, that the author keeps on saying the thing, same things over and over, it's because there is a point that they're driving to, okay? There's a way of escape. Look at the second part of the verse. It starts with, but the things of the flesh can be put to death. How? By the Spirit. The Spirit of God has conquered the flesh, and now we are to live in its power. Our fleshly desires are put to death because of the Spirit that dwells within us. The Spirit that dwells within you is powerful. And sometimes we just go through life not remembering what Spirit is inside of here. Look what Scripture says. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells within you. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful to think about it that way. Worship team, can I have somebody play something in the back? It's powerful. And I love this verse. In Galatians 5, verse 16, it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of of the flesh. When we are constantly walking with the Lord, what happens? We're focused, right? Have you guys seen, have you ever seen a horse race? I don't know if you noticed, they put these things on the side of the horses, they're blinders. Why do they do that? That way the horse looks straight. And we're focused like that in our walk sometimes. We're like a racehorse, we have our blinders on. 
and we just see things of the kingdom. But it's the second that we take off those blinders where, where now distractions start coming in. And they try to lure us every which way. And if we're not careful, the distraction could try to grab us. And if they grab us and we're not ready, what happens? The distraction is going to start pulling you down. And it might have a tight grip on you. And that's why Ephesians 6, if you guys aren't familiar with Ephesians 6, it speaks on putting on the armor of God. Picking up your shield and having your sword ready at all times. So by the Spirit, we can put to death the deeds of the body. That's what Ephesians 6 is about, is to combat the things of the enemy. But sometimes we don't feel like putting on that the armor plate in front of us. We don't want to put on the helmet today. The helmet's a little bit heavy. I don't want to have my sword on. Or maybe we do put it on, but we're fighting the wrong enemy. Pastor Rigo preached this last week. right? We take out our gun. Our gun is out. And we used to fight against the principalities of darkness together. But now sometimes in our Christian walk, we start pointing that gun to someone else, to a brother. We start pointing the gun to a sister. When we need to be focused on the enemy. Fighting the principalities of darkness. So that's why you have to armor up. But when you armor up, are you armoring up with the right intentions? Are you armoring up to fight against the enemy, not fight against one another? So I encourage you, put on God's armor. But put it on with the intention of fighting the works of darkness. Look at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You can rest assured here today that if you have repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ and in Christ alone that you are a child of God. Because the spirit that he has given you is reassuring you and convicting your heart that you are His. Look what Paul says. It's not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption. And in that adoption, we cry out, Abba, Father. You could ask yourself this. What is leading you? What spirit is leading you? Because according to this text, if we are led by the Spirit, then we are sons of God. We are not to be fearful. Those who are in bondage live in fear. The world lives in fear. But He's given you, He's given us a spirit to break free from that. We're no longer slaves to sin. But you know what you are? A prisoner to righteousness. Prisoners to righteousness. And here we're going to end with verse 16 and verse 17. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we also may be glorified with Him. Look what Paul is saying here. The spirit of adoption bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. How much more confirmation do you need? His spirit that dwells within you is telling you, yes, you belong to Him. You belong to Him. And not only children, Paul says, but heirs 
of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What is an heir? It means that we have an inheritance. And we have something that's awaiting us because we've been faithful to the end. We didn't just come here to church on a Christmas or an Easter. We weren't ashamed of the gospel. We are people who lift his name up for the ban- like a banner for the world to see. That's how Christians operate. And look at the last part of the verse. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And I know the suffering part is the part that nobody likes. Nobody likes the suffering part. But in our suffering, we have a promise that we are heirs to a kingdom and we will be with Jesus for eternity. Have you suffered for Jesus? Good. Good. That's a mark that you belong to him. It means you belong. It means that he's your father. It means that you are his son, that you are his daughter. That's what it means. We're going to have suffering in this world. It's going to come. Jesus talks about it all throughout the New Testament. That this life is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard, but to take heart because I have overcome. Can you guys stand with me this morning? There's three things that I want you to remember today. Number one, there is no condemnation for you. Number two, the Spirit is at work in your life. And number three, you have an inheritance. So there's no condemnation. The Spirit is working in your life and you have an inheritance. I know that the sufferings in your life in here today are not in vain. You may not understand them. You may question God all the time and say, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why are my kids rebelling? Why am I having family issues? Why am I sick all the time? Why do these co-workers keep annoying me? Why am I financially unstable? Why is my marriage broken up? Everything is going wrong in my life, Lord. Why me? And and I can't blame anybody else, God, but I, I have to blame you. Instead of taking accountability sometimes for the way that we are walking, for the way that we are acting, we God, I'm just going to blame you for all of the problems that I have. And I know some days the burdens may be too heavy to carry. And some days you just don't know where you're going to go, what you're going to do. But it's in those crucial times where you have a choice. Because Jesus is here in Scripture giving you a promise that there's no condemnation and there's no separation. So no matter what you face here today, church, you are not condemned. And you will never be separated from the love of God. So I don't know what you carry here today. I know everyone here has a different story. And we could go around the room and we could talk about the stories you're currently facing. You may be in a storm at this very moment. Maybe you just left the storm or maybe you're going into a storm. That's usually the three stages of life. You're about to go in, you're in the middle, or you're about to exit one. I don't know what stage you're in here today. But I can tell you this. You're not alone. In the deepest parts of your mind, in the deepest parts of your heart, God sees you. God knows you. He has caught every single tear that you have shed. He knows the anxieties. He knows the stresses. He knows the depressions that you face. 
He knows the struggles of today and He knows the promises for your life tomorrow. And if we could rest in that, then I know that I could push forward. I know that you could push forward because of the hope that is found at the cross of Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord the greatest praise here today? Hallelujah. Amen. Can you stretch out your arms for me today? Lord God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this text, Lord God, for this scripture, for the words, Lord God, that we have access to such things here today in, in this western part of the world, Lord, because we know that there are believers that will be killed on other parts of the world for just speaking your name. Just for having a Bible with them is a crime, Lord God, but we are able to freely seek you here in this country. And Lord, I don't know the struggles of people in here, but you know every single detail of whatever circumstance that they are facing, Lord. And I pray here today, Holy Spirit, that you just minister to their hearts and that they may know that they are not condemned and that they are not separated from your love. I thank you for today, Father God. I pray for the rest of the week, Lord, that we just walk in the power of the Spirit that we set our minds on the things of the Spirit and not of things of the flesh. Lord, because you are good and you deserve all of the praise. You are worthy of it all. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, and we surrender this to you here today. We give you all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the praise. And together, God's people say, yes and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. I hope you have an amazing Sunday. Don't forget this week we have 5.30 prayer. And we have to check our app for the other things because my... Okay, that's not good for a preacher to say. I love you guys and you are... Amen. Have an amazing Sunday.